Elizabeth and uh, the mama, mama right here and the sisters. I mean, I've got them all this weekend and I'm with Leo. Yesterday we went to lunch with each other and I just feel like I made a friend. I feel like we just connected from the get-go and I made a friend and I'm honored to call you that and thankful for this opportunity. Thank for everyone that worked so hard on this conference, who served, who set up, who cooked, who prepared. It takes a lot of work to do something like this. Can you let the women of this church know how much you appreciate their service? I also want to appreciate my friend Deborah Brady. Uh, She's been a part of my life for a long time, and I appreciate her coming and traveling with me and assisting me. I I have a friend of a mutual friend of yours, Angie Martin, over here. Everybody let Angie know how glad you are that she is here. Angie's daughter, Grace, and my daughter, Kendall, room together at Lee. So you can pray for us and cover us because we're paying college bills and trying to keep them going in the right direction. You know, God's helping us. My husband tells me I've had, I have three children. So I have an older one that's out of college and uh, she's 26. I've got a son who's about 20. I'm going to think now they're all growing up on me. 24. He's married. And then I have Kendall who's 20. She's the baby. Anybody have a baby? Yeah, it doesn't matter how old she is, and she hovers over me, but she's my baby. And so uh, my husband tells me, when we get Kendall out of college, we may have some money. <laughs> we may be able to do something. How many of you have ever been in that situation? So I'm holding on to that promise. I'm holding on to that promise. But today I want to continue in the word with you. Last night... You, you were in the room. We talked about I press on. I thank you for tearing with me through that word and through the altar where God was working on people. And we gave him room to do what he can do. And I want to continue this morning. Now, it's going to sound funny, I guess a little bit, that in both services I've given you a declaration. But it's how God directed me. So last night we declared, basically, I'm in the process God's working on me. I haven't arrived yet. He's still doing something. And this morning I want to preach to you on I press on. My sister hit on it this morning about the last day season that we're in. And we know that the word of God tells us there's going to be a great falling away. In fact, we're already seeing people greatly deceived even in the church. And so before I leave you this morning, I want to give you the challenge that you got to keep pressing. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep, I know things are going to come against you. I know the enemy wants to shut us down. Anybody say the enemy's tried to shut me down? He's tried to discourage me. He's trying to confuse me in my mind. But we're pressing. We're pressing on. So I want to read this word to you from Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I used 12 last night in my sermon. But I want to pick up there. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 if you want to stand for the word you can but if you need to sit I have no problem but I'm a stander for the word it reads like this it's on the screen for you or if you need to turn in your bible or you may have your phone not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal I'm not there yet but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me Then he says, brothers and sisters, he wants you to understand, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What what is he saying there? He's saying, I'm not perfected. I don't know it all. I'm still in the process. That's what he's saying. I'm not there yet. But one thing I know to do, 
Here it is. Forgetting what is behind. My sister said it a minute ago. Forgetting what is behind. Let it go. If it was bad, if it was ugly, let it go. If it was some of the best times of your life and you just say, you know, it's changed, it's never going to be the same, then you're limiting God. We get stuck in that in the church. Well, back in 1996, our church did this, this, and this. And we act like the God of 1996 is not the God of 2022. Like he's falling asleep. So we can get stuck in the past, whether the past was good or the past was bad. And this is what he says. I forget what is behind. I can't stay there. And straining, catch that word, toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward through Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me in the name of Jesus? God, anoint this word. It is your word. Let it go forth with power and authority and use me as your vessel. God, I need you. I need your spirit to continue to reign in this place. Open up the hearts and the ears of the listener to receive. Let life transformation take place in this room. Let a challenge be given to our spirit that we don't quit. We don't give in. We don't throw into the towel. We're not going to be deceived we're not going to stay stuck but we're pressing God into all that you have for us in Jesus mighty name we pray amen and amen you may be seated I press on I'm not giving up I'm not giving into distractions I'm not giving place to offense boy has the enemy used that over the last couple years I don't hold on to unforgiveness. I don't give in to the lies of the enemy. I don't stay tied to that past. I press. And I believe pressing in this context, in this season, takes energy, strength, strategy, vision, and power that only comes from God. You're not going to be able to make it in this last day season in your own power, in your own strength. Paul has used this analogy of a runner who focuses on the goal ahead of him. Focusing on the prize. This prevents us from distraction and stumbling. I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm ending. The Bible tells me I win at the end of this thing. I've got to stay focused. Paul's spiritual goal is stated directly when he says the prize of the upward call of God through Christ Jesus. Paul has a clear goal. And it should be our goal. Being in heaven with the Lord. There it is. Simple. He looks forward to that ultimate reward for his faithful service. And the prize is I get to rule and reign forever and ever and ever with Christ Jesus my Lord. Where there's no more pain and there's no more suffering and there's no more tears and there's no more fear and there's no more discomfort because I've made it. I've arrived. And when Paul is describing this process of not arriving, he's saying there's always more. Keep going, woman of God. There's always more. God can do more in us, with us, and through us as long as we stay available to him and stay in the race. 
stay on the pressing toward the goal. We serve a God who said he can do the impossible. His word says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. It says he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or imagine according to his power in me. There it goes. Takes the weight off us. It was never about us. It was never about our strength. It was never about our power. But it's the spirit of God in me. And as I'm going toward the end of 2022, as we're going toward the end of 2022, I am more determined to work toward fulfilling God's plan for my life. We don't have time to play church we don't have time to say I'll do it tomorrow we don't have time to stay bound up in what somebody said to us ugly to us hurt us how the church doesn't look like we want it to look like listen if you want revival in your church you want change in your church then you be here every week you be here praying you be here serving you fast you intercede and you help your pastors press on that's where revival's coming, unity in the body. Getting back to spiritual disciplines and doing what we know to do. My husband spoke at the beginning of 2021 about being a designated survivor. And I liked that. God allowed us to survive these past few years when many people did not. And I don't have answers for you for all of that. I'm just telling you, he still has us on this earth for such a time of this. And I'm not wasting the time I have left. There are too many souls still needing to be saved. There are too many lost prodigals needing to come home. There are too many messages needing to be preached. There are more homeless people needing to be ministered to. There are more food boxes needing out. There are people in need of discipleship and spiritual growth. If you are in this room and you still have breath in your body, what are you going to do with the time that you have left? Listen, I'm going one way or the other. Either sickness, an accident, or God's, the trumpet's going to sound, and I'm going, I think I'm going that way. How about you? I believe we're in a, a short span of time that I think we're going to make it at the trumpet. I believe we're going, unless God calls me home before and I'm, my, it's his will for my life. So what are we going to do with it? I want to give you six steps. You know, say, Amy, oh, my goodness, six steps. I'm going to go as quick as possible. I said, last night, y'all egged me on, and I, but I'm going to go as quick as possible. In, in 2020, September of 2020, I remember at, it was early in the morning hours, 12-something in the morning, and the Lord, I had to get up out of my bed because some of these things I'm going to tell you, he began to speak to me, and he really was speaking it to me for women in ministry. But it goes for all of us because we're all called. We all have a purpose and a plan. So the first thing I want to share with you today is you've got to get God's perspective. You have to get God's perspective. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, you can write this down, get God's perspective. It's on the screen. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In the day and time that we live in, there are a lot of voices, opinions, theologies, judgments, and preferences. And as a believer, we have to guard our minds, our hearts, our attitudes, our choices, and our beliefs. You can't let everybody in. 
you can't just listen to anything. You can't just watch everything you want to. Just because something sounds like a good perspective doesn't mean it's God's perspective. And there are many people being deceived. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. We're seeing it. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. It's happening. It's happening. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 14. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Isaiah 5, 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds then you will, you will be able to test it isn't up to just your pastor's wife then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good and pleasing and perfect will as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ we have to continue to guard our minds we have to stay in God's word we have to continue to seek his will and his ways you also need to get God's perspective on the situations and the difficulties you're facing right now you can't live a victorious powerful life if you have wrong perspective you have to see what God sees no matter what you're going through do not get your eyes on the littleness of your problem instead of the greatness of your God you have to focus on the promise not the problem you have to focus not on the obstacles but focus on the destiny that God has for you remember that it took Peter only one time looking down at the waves until he began to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus women of God you have to begin to pray God give me your perspective open up my spiritual eyes let me see the truth listen in the middle of 2020 and the chaos and the sickness and the elections, there were times I had to go into the sanctuary of my church and I had to walk through and say, oh God, I hear all these voices. I hear all these noises. I hear people saying this and prophesying this. But God, something doesn't feel right in my spirit. So if you could just give me clarity, if you could just give me discernment of the Holy Spirit so that I have your perspective, so that I know your truth and I do not give place to the enemy. See, I believe there is a spirit of deception that has been unleashed and we must guard ourselves through the word of God from those things that sound like truth, but they're not. The enemy is a liar and he is a father of all lies. He tries to use discouragement, loss of hope, dissension, distraction, and even fear to make believers forget what God says and what God says he will do in this last day. So I'm here to declare to you today, I pray on in Jesus name secondly you have to be a person of prayer now this sounds like oh Amy we know this but are you doing it James 5 16 says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous I'll say woman availeth much when you look at the life of Jesus he had 12 men who were interns or disciples that followed him in those three and a half years of ministry 
They saw Jesus do amazing things. Oh, he was healing, miracles, calming storms, feeding 5,000 with one lunch, raising people back to life, preaching unbelievable sermons. He was such an amazing man of miracles. And when it came time for him to leave them, they did not go to him and say, Lord, teach us to preach like you preach. Oh, God, teach us to do the miracles that you do. Teach us, Lord, to heal people. Teach us to do the spectacular things that you do. Instead, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Think about it. They realized that the secret power behind everything that Jesus was doing while he was on earth, behind the healings, behind the miracles, behind the teachings, behind the spectacular, behind the way he handled people, all of it came because he prayed to the Father. Read your word. Read your word all through the New Testament when he was walking on earth. It says he pulled away to pray. He went alone to pray. He went to the mountain to pray. He talked to the Father. And then what did you see? He came out and what did he do? Healed the people, raised the dead, calmed the storm, fed the Why? Because he stayed connected to the Father through his prayer time. And if Jesus Christ himself pulled away and spent time with the Father, who are we to think? That we can have power and authority to stand in this last day without a prayer life. You cannot say that you want God's plan for your life to be fulfilled and not be a person of prayer. Prayer is what connects us. It builds our intimacy with God. How can you fulfill God's plan if you're never talking to him? If you're never listening to him. I say it like this. You can take it for what it's worth. I believe much power. I mean, excuse me, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer in your life, no power. Don't expect it. Prayer is our greatest weapon. Prayer invites God into the equation, and when that happens, all bets are off. It's an intimate communication with God. We talk, he listens, he speaks, we listen. You need to understand that, this. We will never see the public victory that we're praying for if we don't understand the power of our private time in prayer. How much we pray is revealing how much we depend on God. Priscilla Shire said it like this. To the extent that the church prays, that is the extent of power that they have to stand against the enemy. This is God is calling us, church, to a season of prayer. What happened to our prayer meetings? What, what happened to our prayer? T- where's our war rooms? Uh, where are we seeking him? Now, my church, I love to go into the worship center. But I pray everywhere. I'm one, you may think I'm strange. And you probably ever figure that out. I, I pray a lot in my car. I pray around my house doing laundry. Listen, and if I'm in my car praying and I'm not done yet, I walk right into Belk and just keep on talking to the Lord. And you know what came in real handy is when we had those masks. Now, I didn't like them, but what I found out is I could pray everywhere. And people couldn't even see what I was doing. Praying on airplanes. They couldn't even see my mouth moving. It was just great. Listen, you don't limit God where you pray. He's with you, in you. You just call on him at any time, any place, any situation, and he shows up. At my church, we give out a little thing on prayer, a little cross stick, that we use the word pray to lead people how to pray. Because there's some people, I hear people say to me, Amy, I, I wish I could pray like you. 
or I don't know how to pray like that. Can I tell you something? It's just relationship. If you're like Leah and I, we didn't know each other. But we got in that restaurant yesterday and you couldn't shut us up. I know you're shocked. After hearing how much I can talk, I know you're shocked. But listen, you talk to God just like you would sit and talk with me. Just like you would sit and talk with your friend. You just cast it on him. You just tell him. But then you take time to listen. So this is what we say. First of all, the P is praise. If you'll start your prayer time with praise, it ushers in the presence of God. And it's easier to spend time with him. So we start by praise. Let him know he's worthy. You need him. You thank him. You pray to the R. Repent. Go ahead and take time again. God, if there's anything in me that I need to be forgiven, forgive me, change me, deliver me, help me get it right. Three, A, ask. Then, see, we want to start with the ask first. Because we got a whole, listen, I have a whole list of what I need God to do. And I could spend the whole time on it. Sometimes I have to remember, Amy, shut your mouth and let him talk. Anybody in the room? Then you begin to ask, and then the why is yield. That's where we close our mouth and say, Lord, just speak to us. And we sit there and listen for him. See, I challenge you women to pray bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. Sometimes we don't have what we need because we're not even asking. I had a woman years ago sit down with me, a woman of God, when I was young. And she just said, Amy, you believe for everybody else, but you don't believe it for yourself. Start asking for Amy. Start believing for what God. We've got to dream big dreams because we have a great big God. I'm looking at a warm room full of women whose prayers can shake the heavens, whose prayers can bring healing, whose prayers can bring financial provision, whose prayers can change circumstances, whose prayers can bring prodigals home, whose prayers can soften the heart of the most hardened sinner, whose prayer can restore marriages, whose prayer can revive churches, whose prayers can reset the trajectory of our nation. Let's pray like we know God can. Listen, he parted red seas for people. He made the sun stand still. He made an axe head float on the water. God is moved to omnipotent action when you begin to pray. And we'll never see what God can do unless the church gets back there. Listen, I remember being a little girl. My dad would have those 24-hour prayer times. Now listen, we, we weren't always in person. He'd have a sign up. You're praying this hour? You Now, everybody tried to get the, you know, early day times. You know, nobody wanted the through the night. But you signed up for an hour. I was only, I don't know, somewhere between 8 and 12 in that time. I know where we were living. And I'd go put my name right on that slot. My parents said, oh, you're going to pray for an hour? I said, yes, I am. I'm going to pray. They taught me that. And so I had these two knothead brothers, and I was right between them. And they were always distracting me and pulling me into trouble. So I said, you know what, Mom and Dad, I'm going to need your bedroom because I can't get anywhere near these boys when I'm in prayer. <laughs> and so I would go to their bedroom, shut the door, kneel down, and I would spend as a girl an hour. I would time it. I was a rule follower. Timing that thing to make sure I got my, listen, where is our desire to pray? Our world is in a desperate need of a savior. We need an awakening like we've never seen before. And we're giving him these little patty cat 
cake prayers and expecting something to happen. It's time for us to press in. Our public life can only be as powerful as our private time with God. There's something that God has to do in the secret place that is preparing you for your next. Don't ever negate your time in prayer. I press on. And thirdly, you're going to love this one. Be positive. Be positive. He, don't worry about that one. Go on to the next one. My media pastor might have sent the wrong one. Be positive. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I want to tell you this. Negative people do not build things. They tear things down with their words. Negative people do not do things. They just point out everything that hasn't been done. Can I get an amen? Negative people do not accomplish things. They belittle those who are trying. We need to be positive. We are children of the most high God and he can do anything. Listen, where do you see this, Amy, in the Bible? I'm going to tell you, Numbers, Numbers 13 and 14, one of my favorite stories. Moses has led the children of Israel out of slavery. He's done miracle after miracle after miracle. They've been wandering in the wilderness for two years. It's finally time for them to go in and take the promise. And they get to the edge of the promised land. And, and, and Moses, being a good leader, listens to the Lord and says, I'm going to send 12 spies into this land. One from every tribe. But this is honestly what you have to understand. This was not a mission of can we do it? This was never a mission of go in and see if God is able. He already said, I'm giving it to you. It was just a vision trip. You know, due diligence. See where we're going. See what's possible. See the promise. And listen, I'm here to tell somebody you can have a whole lot more from God if you don't quit now. If you don't allow the enemy to speak death now. See, he wanted them to get a foretaste of the goodness of God. But I believe he was also testing their perception of themselves, the enemy, and their God. This was not a trip to see if they could do it. God already said, I gave it to you. And you know the story. They returned and 10 men gave a negative report and two gave a positive report and they accepted the majority report. That's what they believed. And if you read in Numbers 13, 27 through 33, it says we can't attack those people. We can't. We can't. We can't. How many of you speak that over yourself? We can't. They are stronger than we are. And they spread a bad report among the Israelites. And then they go on to say, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. How in the world did they know what they look like to the enemy? They just kept spewing death, death, death. And I want to challenge you today, never speak words that make the enemy think he He's winning. I'm going to say that again. Never speak words that make the enemy think he, he can't read your mind, but you tell him enough just by your words for him to get you. Caleb, so I'm being mean. That's mean and I'm sorry. I'm not trying. Caleb said this. We should go up and take possession of the land. Joshua and Caleb, the only ones that believe God. 
says, we go up and take possession, for we can certainly do it. Do not rebel against the Lord. The Lord is with us. And the Lord said, Caleb had a different spirit. Oh, I want to be a different spirit. I want to be a faith speaker. Right in the middle of the negative words being spoken, I want to speak, God can. God will. God is able. I know what people say. I know what it looks like. But I know what the word of God says. And I speak life in the name of Jesus and I'm going to do a little housekeeping right here people in the room you attend church raise your hand you're a church attender stop speaking death over your church some of y'all going home speaking it right in front of your children around the table what you don't like about the church and what's wrong with the church and you expect your children to stay in it and, and do something and then they're becoming young adults and they're falling away. I hear it all the time. My kid was raised in this church. I just don't know why. I just don't know what this. What were you speaking at your table? What were you having for lunch after the service? Your pastor? You know, I love this. And Any pastor's wife's in the room? Somebody takes me the day. We just need revival. We, and I ain't seen them in weeks. I'm going to move on. I just got to meddling a little bit. <laughs> what if we all made a pact leaving here today? I'm speaking life over my church. I'm speaking life over my pastors. I'm speaking life over my children. I'm speaking, oh, listen, I know your husband may not be right yet. And you may have to wait till he's asleep in the bed because you don't want to offend him and get you some anointing oil and just go in there and start speaking life. Oh, he's going to be a man of God. He's going to treat me like the queen. Oh, you may have to go in your children's bedrooms when, they, when they're messing in things. You know they're messing in. You know, Listen, as a mama, you know when they're not right. I sense it in my spirit. My, my Kendall said to me one time when she was a senior in high school, I took her to lunch to have one of them come to Jesus meetings. And I started asking her questions. And I said, Kendall, I got a feeling in my spirit. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I, I can't, I'm not trying to be mean to you. and I'm not trying to attack you. But there's something in my spirit that says something's not right. She goes, Mama, I hate when you get those feelings. I said, trust me, I hate it too. I, I, I don't hate it that God's leading me that way. I hate it that I'm knowing there's something going on and I'm not to get to it. Listen, ladies, start speaking. Some of us are just negative people. You ever met that person? Everything they say is negative. Stop it. Stop giving place to the enemy and start speaking life. And then I love this. So here they missed the promise. God said this whole generation. This whole generation will not see the promise because you didn't believe God. God is saying there's a last day revival that he is ready to pour out on his people, on the women, on the men, on our children. And God's saying, shut your mouth from speaking death over what I want to do and begin to prophesy of what's next. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a prophetic voice. So I got to watch what I speak. Fast forward 40 years. Those people that spoke death, they didn't get to see it. In fact, they died. Here comes the next generation, go to the promised land. They get to the walls of Jericho. I want you to catch this. Joshua is now their leader. 
They're going in to possess it. Then he gets up with specific instructions. I want you to listen to the instructions. March around the fortified wall of the city in silence for six days. Not a one of you are going to open your mouth. Not a one of you are going to say a word. You're just going to march. You're, every day you're just going to march. On the seventh day, you're going to circle seven times, and then you're going to give a shout. Now, I want you to think this through. Why do you think God gave Joshua the plan to keep them silent? Don't you think we should be shouting and rejoicing every day we went around this wall? We should be saying something, opening our mouths. Why do you think he said keep them silent? He wasn't going to allow them to forfeit the promise again by speaking words of discouragement and defeat. He said, not on this time. This time you guys got to go in one way or the other. So I want you to shut your mouth and don't speak death on what I'm about to do and watch me move. And I'm here to ask you, I feel the Lord in this this morning. How many times have we missed the promise by speaking death? By being negative. How many times have we kept other people from the promise because we were speaking death around them? We need to give more thought to the words we speak and the atmosphere that we're setting with our words. I'm preaching to myself too. If it doesn't lift Jesus up, if it's sowing discord, if it's going to affect someone's walk with Christ, if it's tearing someone down, or it doesn't line up with the word of God, stop it. Let's be intentional with our words, our comments, and our posts. Let's exemplify the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of men. Be positive. Speak life. I press on. Fourthly, you have to settle your identity. We spoke on this a little bit last night, but Romans 8, 14 through 18 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That's who you are. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's who you are. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. I believe that if we're going to walk in the fullness of God and press on... We have to settle the issue of who our father is. There are too many people struggling with identity issues, even in the church, even in ministry. If the enemy can keep us struggling with who we really are and all that we can be through Christ, then he can minimize the impact we can make on the kingdom of God and keep us from reaching our goal. Listen, I have three kids. I just told you that my middle one is Miles. Miles is a lot of fun. And he's always loved his father. He loves me too. We're a lot alike. But he just idolizes his father. And so one year we were working youth camp in North Georgia. Miles was about five years old. And earlier that day before the campers came, my husband was the camp coordinator. But earlier that day, me and some of the wives with little kids, we took our kids swimming. So Miles had already been to the pool once. We had gotten changed, cleaned up, and now the campers were coming. Now, if anybody knows anything about Church of God Youth Camp, we have boys swim time, girls swim, yeah, swim time. So in the afternoon, it was boys swim time. So Miles puts his swimming trunks back on, gets his T-shirt and his tail, and starts heading back up the hill. Some of the men on the youth board, they, they like to pick at Miles because he's an easy target. And so he stopped, they stopped Miles walking up that hill. Miles is just a little thing. 
They said, Miles, where do you think you're going? He said, I'm going back to the boys' swim time. They said, haven't you already been swimming once today? You can't go swimming more than one time at this camp. And they were just giving him a heart. They were just picking at him. And they said, Miles looked up at them, just a little bitty boy, put his hand on his hip and said, do you know who my daddy is? For the rest of the week, my husband caught grief on do you know who my daddy is. So what am I saying to you today? I'm asking you, who's your daddy? Who gave his son for you that you might have life? Whose family are you adopted into? Who do you long to please? Who do you fear? Who are you committed to? Who do you serve? Who gave his life so that you could be adopted and call him a father? Don't Keep struggling with your identity. Go ahead and know that when God saved you, he transformed you. He made you a new creation. I'm not the same Amy I used to be. I am a child of God. I have royal blood flowing through my veins. I do belong. I am accepted. I am empowered because I know who my daddy is. Rick Godwin said it this way. Insecurities will destroy you while real confidence will take you to a level very few attain. Where's your confidence coming from? Where's your confidence coming from? It's coming from who my daddy is. Oh, I'm not talking about my earthy daddy. I'm talking about my heavenly father. I am his and he is in me. And that's where I find my identity. And fifthly, you need to be prepared to fight. You need to be prepared to fight. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We're in a battle in this world, ladies. We may not see it. We might forget it's there. And the enemy would love nothing more than for us to live unaware, filling our lives with discouragement, defeat, bringing fear, stress, stirring up busyness and strife. I was thinking about this last week because we're in football season. Anybody know it's football season? If you have a husband that's a sports person, it's a football season. And my, we're Tennessee Vols fans. I know. You can feel sorry for us, but we're actually doing better this year. So I was thinking about the game of football when it comes to the battle we're in. And I thought about the fact that there's an offense and a defense. If you didn't know that, just follow me. There's an offense. I know just enough to be dangerous. Offense and a defense. The mission or goal of the offense, get this, is to get the ball to the end zone as many times as possible to win the game. To press on to keep moving forward, to get to the goal. You see that? The defense, the object of the defense is to prevent the opposing offense from gaining yards and progressing to score. Is The goal of the, off, of the defense is to stop you from winning this race, to stop you from scoring, to stop you from being effective and pressing on. That's the war we're in. I'm here to tell you that the more you go in God and the more effective you are for his kingdom, it doesn't necessarily get easier but harder.
The enemy wants to stop you before you can get to that destiny. The greater the giant, the greater the destiny. But God never leaves us on our own. He says, I'm equipping you. You must stay aware of Satan's schemes. You must live alert in this world. You must stay close to me. And you have to be prepared to do battle and know how to fight. Don't get pulled, women of God, into operating by the flesh instead of the spirit. When you start arguing on social media... I was so embarrassed by the church in this last season. Going off on people and even carrying unforgiveness and offense, you have stepped into the flesh fight. You're letting the enemy win. God is saying this fight isn't a fight. You fight with your mouth, your fist, or your posts. This fight is a supernatural fight. And since we are in a spiritual battle, we need spiritual weapons. We fight in another dimension. You better learn how to intercede. You better learn how to pray. You better learn how to fast. And you better learn how to do warfare in the spirit. Ephesians 6, 12 through 18 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Therefore, here it comes, I'm going to help you. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, that's today, and having done all to stand. What does my armor look like? You need to memorize this. I put on the helmet of salvation. I said, I do not have a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Women of God, pray over your mind. The enemy's attacking people's mind by the droves. He's attacking our children's minds. You need to take authority over your thoughts. Take them captive and say, devil, you don't have room here. I belong to God. Helmet of salvation. I take up the the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, God, let me walk pure before you. Oh, God, give me a righteous spirit. Take out any sin, Lord, and guard my heart above all things. And then I'm going to take up the belt of truth. What does that look like? God, i got to hear you. i got to have your perspective. I don't want to give way to the enemy and his lies and his deceptions because he'll make something sound like truth when it's not. And then he says, I'm going to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Wherever I place my feet, I have peace that passes all understanding. Even right in the middle of going through the valley of the shadow of death, I can have peace that passes all understanding. Then he says, take up your shield of faith. What is that going to do? Fight off every fiery dart of the enemy. I'm saying, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Devil, you can't have me. I believe God. And then I take up the sword of the Spirit. I get the Word of God. I speak it over my house. I pray it over my church. I I cover myself with it at night. And I say, I stand upon the promises of God that they are yes and amen for me and my family, for my nation for my home and I believe that God will fight for me through his word women you got to be in the word or you can't fight with it how are you going to use the word against the enemy if you don't even know the word I gotta move on I'm armored up ladies I'm armored up and I will fight I press on and lastly and you know this but sometimes we just have to be reminded We have to seek God first. He is a jealous God. Listen, when you read the Old Testament, anybody ever get frustrated at the children of Israel? 
I mean, they keep making these idols out of wood and expecting they're going to do something for them. They, I mean, they just do stupid. One day I was so frustrated when I was reading the Old Testament, and I said, these people are ignorant. God's telling them what he's going to do if they put him first, and they keep doing the opposite. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, they do the same today. We know the Scripture, Matthew 6, and I'm closing after this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I call this alignment of priorities. Anybody in this room ever been out of alignment? You're uncomfortable. Things don't feel right. You know why so many people... I'm going to be careful what I say here. You know why so many people are struggling? I believe struggling in their minds, struggling with their emotions. They're out of alignment. There's a need for God in their life and there's a need for fellowship because that's how we were created. But we've gotten so far away from him. And some people that are far away from him know the truth, know what the Bible says, but they've bought into the lies of the enemy. And they're wondering why they're consistently feeling like their whole life is out of alignment. And God's saying, put me first again. Get back with me. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing so I say it like this you may want to write this down your pursuit will solidify your root your pursuit will solidify your root if you want to stay balanced in this last day in your emotions in your mind in your spirit it's body soul and spirit but can I tell you so many times we're so worried about our body we're so caught up in our emotions and really, that's not even the right order. It's spirit first. You get the spirit right, everything else will line up in order. That's alignment of priorities. The Holy Spirit is the power you need to live the life that God has called you to live. And we've tried to push him out. And we wonder where our power is. I don't care how young or old you are. If you'll say not me, for me first, but kingdom first, then you can trust God with all the rest. I press on. I want to finish with a story. A story my husband had told me about when he played football in high school. And boy, did it just resonate with me, especially when he told it, the time he told it. My husband was a football player. It was his senior year. He had played the entire game, every play, offense, defense. They had not pulled him out of the game. He was tired. He was weary. He just wanted to breathe. He just, he just needed a timeout. Well, they had this sign when they played football that if you needed a break, if you needed a breather, if you needed to come off the field, you were to run toward the coaches and tap your helmet. And the coach... Did anybody know this? I, I've seen this, but my kids did it in basketball too. Tap their head and they would say, you can come out and break. They knew you needed a break, send somebody else in. So my husband in this fourth quarter, he ran toward the sidelines. He tapped his helmet and his coach looked at him and went. Kim was like, this was supposed to be the sign. I've had enough. I can't keep going. I can't keep pressing. Somebody else needs to come in and take my place. And the coach said, I don't know why. So then Kevin goes back in. He plays a couple more plays. And he thinks, they didn't get it. They don't get, they don't get where I'm at. I'm weary. I'm tired. 
I know they put me in this position. I know they want me to press forward to keep scoring goals and to keep running until I make it, until we win this game. But I, I just need a break. I, I just needed to come out of the game for a bit. So he ran back this time and said, I'm going to really make sure they know where I'm at. So he runs toward the coaches and he goes. <laughs> coaches are standing there. They look back at him and they go. Kevin said he don't know if it's not that they didn't have anybody else that could do it as well as him or they just thought he had more in him to give. But the coach said, keep going, Kevin McGlamry. Keep running. Keep pressing. We haven't won the game yet because we haven't made it home yet. So, woman of God, I'm coming by today to tell you, you got to keep going. you got to keep pressing. The game's not over. The trumpet hasn't sound. You can't come sit the bench. You have to run your race. Keep going. And then I encourage myself by thinking of the people that are already in heaven. You know when they talk about that great cloud of witnesses that are leaning over the balconies of heaven and I can just see my daddy up there. I can just see Paul up there saying, women of God, keep going. Jesus is coming. People need to be saved. You're going to rule and reign with Christ forever. Don't throw in the towel now. Don't stop ministering now. Press on. Press on. Press on. In Jesus' name, stand with me. Oh, I know, ladies, it's been a tough season. The things that started in 2020, I didn't see coming. It overwhelmed us. And the sad part is, when every time we thought we were coming through it, something else happened. Our country's gone crazy. I'm not, I'm not trying to get into politics, but that was the craziest election we've ever seen a couple years ago. And just when you think we have any hope of something turning around, it seems to get worse instead of better. Our kids are confused about their gender. The enemy, just like he did in the Old Testament, taking the, trying to take Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and change their name so he could try to change their identity, he's doing it to our babies. Our school systems are in bad shape. I have teachers coming to me and they're desperate. They're like, Amy, I don't know what to do, but it's bad. It's bad. Ladies, you've got to press on. You can't quit now. God's put his word in you. He's called you. He's for such a, if he wanted you in some other time, he'd have put you there. But he said, I put you in my last days. And I need you. I need you, women of God. I'm looking for my army. 
I'm looking for my warriors. I'm looking for my princess. I'm looking for those who will say, I'm not giving in to the ploys of the enemy. I'm not coming out of my lane. I'm not going to give place to the enemy because I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm headed. So I keep running. I keep pressing. I keep going. Oh, I know the devil's coming at you and trying to push you down. I know he's trying to knock you out of the game. I know he's trying to put sickness on you, defeat in you, depression, anxiety. Anxiety. He's lying. He's chattering. But you keep pressing. I don't give up. I don't give place. I'm going, God. I'm going, God. I'm going, God, until you come and get me. This is the altar call. And this is how I felt in my spirit to start. So I want you to listen. And I want you to hang with me. Here it is. If you are in this room. And you are a pastor's wife or a woman who's called to ministry. I need you down here. A pastor's wife, which means you are in ministry. But a a woman who has a ministry calling on her life. And there's various ministry callings. I'm not limiting what you're called to do. But you feel like you have a calling for ministry in your life. I want you down here. Debbie, hand me my phone. This is something that the Lord gave me in November. Actually, uh, I think it was more October. And I wrote it down. I felt impressed this morning. I didn't know what God gave it for me for, but I knew it was for a purpose. And at the right time, he'd tell me. So I want you to listen to me. I'm about to come come down there, and I'm going to anoint you for this season ahead. Now, I'm going to get you in a minute. But women that have a calling of God on your life, stop letting the enemy tell you that you don't have a place. Stop letting the enemy tell you you're not good enough. Stop letting the enemy tell you that you're too tired and you need to stop. Because I don't care your age. God said, I have a plan. If he can get Abraham and Sarah a baby in their hundreds, I'm still going. I'm still going. This is what I feel like the Lord said to me. Women in ministry, get ready. I want you to receive this. Hold your head up. Walk in your calling. The world didn't give it to you and the world can't take it away. You always have a place in God's kingdom. That's the most important place. Listen to me. Not a man's place. Not what people say you can or cannot do. And and I'm going to stop right here because I'm thinking you're going to misunderstand me. I am not pushing a women agenda. I'm kingdom agenda. And according to kingdom agenda, we're all a part of this race. We're all a part of this plan. So this is what I'm saying to you. You always have a place in God's kingdom. And that's the most important place. Keep going. Keep preaching. Keep reaching. Keep teaching. Keep singing. Keep loving God and loving others in spite of what they say or do to you. When you know who you are. Won't you listen, women? When you know who you are, man can't take that away from you unless you allow them. You are a daughter of the Most High King. You are called. Man didn't call you. God called you. You are chosen. And the table that God has for you is set. 
and you can sit at it anytime you need to but you've got to keep pressing on you've got to keep believing that God called you listen if you say Amy God's not giving me doors of my people aren't allowing me to walk in my calling don't you worry about people you begin to ask God every door you want open for me God I'll walk in it every place you want me to preach your word or sing or teach or serve I'll walk in it it doesn't matter how big it doesn't matter how small I'm available I'm available I'm available because I'm pressing I'm pressing until I get home I'm coming to pray you got my oil I know I need my oil I'm coming to pray I want you women of God as I get to you to lay out your hands because I'm going to put all in your hands for a last day for a last day anointing I'm asking God to stir up the gift to stir up your calling to stir up your boldness to stir up your anointing so that you press on to whatever God has for you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here I come. If you're an altar worker, help me over here.
there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Come on, say right there. There's an army. There's an army rising up. One more time. There's an army. Power in 